Hello and welcome to Invisible Not Broken. I just had the most amazing interview. Um, we had had to put it off a few times thanks to my Eller Stainless and um, and she's also a fellow zebra, but we finally got together, oddly enough, after she went to Germany and we were able to do a wonderful Skype interview. So please take a listen to hear what cervical instability is like, having Eller Stainless that presents a lot in the neck and spine. And listen to how medical marijuana can be so, so important. Some really great travel hacks if you have pain or pots. Um, We also went over a lot about what the health system is like in Germany. And definitely some really good ideas for Uber and Lyft. If anyone, anyone knows anyone at Uber and Lyft who are looking to do some serious good, please message us. I would love to see one of those companies subsidize trips to doctors for people because as we cover a lot, there is a huge issue for those of us with invisible illness or disabilities getting to our doctor's appointments and the expense of using Lyft and Uber. It'd be so awesome if those companies could subsidize those trips. All right. Thank you so much. And I hope you really enjoy this podcast as much as I enjoyed this interview. Okay. So you are recovering from jet lag. You're all better? I'm okay. I mean, still tired, but fine. (laughs) (laughs) And do you want to share your name and what you have and where you are? So right now I'm in Germany, but I usually live in San Francisco. And I'm 31 years old. My name is Karina, and I have Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome and 14 to 15 other conditions related <laughs> to Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. So mass cell activation, dysautonomia, craniocervical instability, small fiber neuropathy, and some other diagnoses. I lose track of mine. I, it's just so many letters like all together yeah. that I'm like, I, I, I don't know, the Ehlers-Danlos and whatever goes with it. All right, same here. <laughs> and what type do you have? Do you have type 3? Um, yeah, kind of. So I do have a, t- a Tennyson XP mutation. I've never heard of that. I'm going to have you write all this down for me and send it so I can put links in because I... <laughs> uh, sure. Um, so the TNXP gene is basically, well, now it's called the classical light EDS. Oh, okay. So, but that's only if you're deficient in this protein Tennyson, but I'm not, or I don't know yet. <laughs> So right now I'm the hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, and we will see. <laughs> so how do you feel about like it's like I I'm supposed to get uh, the test for mast cell activation and everything, but with it not having any sort of way of making it better, I don't know if I really want to go back through all the testing. How do you feel about getting more testing done? Um, the testing was basically useless for me because um, all those lab uh, markers like tryptase were negative. Okay, but. Um, I was diagnosed through a, it's basically a symptom list or a checklist. Yeah. Um, it's created by Professor Molderings and Dr. Efrin. And so it's basically a clinical diagnosis of mast cell activation syndrome. And really the um, therapy is, is life-changing for me. What, what was the therapy that was so good? I, I'm, I'm taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's uh, H1 and H2 blockers. So it's desloratadine. It's okay. the H1 blocker, and renitidine is the H2 blocker. Yeah. And then um, I'm taking some vitamins, vitamin C, and um, quercetin is a mast cell stabilizer. So, yeah, that's what I'm mainly taking. Wow. Okay, and that helps? Yes, a lot. <laughs> I, will, um, I will be talking to my doctor. <laughs> You're awesome. And for all of your diagnoses, did you get them diagnosed over in Germany, or were you getting them diagnosed here in the United States? Uh, both. Okay. So that's kind of, kind of a complicated story. So <laughs> I'm so um, curious about it because this is like one of my passion interests is the difference in different countries' healthcare systems. Yeah. So um, my story basically starts with craniocervical instability. So that was my first diagnosis. And can and, you explain um, to everyone what that involves? Like, what does that feel like? Um, it's like you are not able to hold your head. It's completely unstable, and then there are lots of neurological symptoms like paresthesia, numbness, uh, blurred vision, concentration issues, uh, autonomous nerve system problems like sweating or freezing. Hey! Uh, 
um, no temperature control, uh, drop attacks also. So basically everything that your brain um, controls could be completely out of control. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's almost like the, the mainframe of the computer goes down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, Hal, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, something like that, right? And yeah, so I was diagnosed via upright MRI. Okay. And then I tried all kinds of therapies, uh, basically physical therapy, um, osteopathy, everything that is available on the market, but nothing helped. And instead of getting better and more stable, I became more unstable in other joints, like, for example, my SI joints, my knees, my hips, my shoulders. And I was like, okay, what is going on here? Yeah. And then um, I found this really nice doctor in Chicago. He does prolotherapy. And I was hoping that I could stabilize my joints somehow. And it didn't work. So I paid a fortune for this therapy. And he was like, okay, there is some underlying problem here. And then by accident, um, I found Professor Henderson, which is, uh, I mean, you probably know him. He's one of the specialists for EDS and craniocervical instability. Is he in San Francisco? No, he is in Maryland, in Bethesda. Oh, yeah, no, I got my care through um, Dr. Nissenbaum. Nissenbaum? I can never remember his name, but in San Francisco. Oh, he's like, yeah. yeah, and that was like a three-year wait to see him. Right, yeah, but Professor Henderson um, specializes in um, surgeries of the neck, especially for EDS patients. I'm writing that name down, Dr. Henderson. Okay, <laughs> I am loving this interview. You are tremendously helpful. <laughs> yeah, I've seen a lot. <laughs> So this was all here in Chicago and Maryland that you were getting the diagnosis and the treatment from. Right, but I wasn't diagnosed until uh, 2013. Wow, and can I ask what age you were at that point? Because my math skills are not up to par this morning. uh, 27. Okay, so you were diagnosed at 27. Wow, okay. Yeah, it took me four years to get a diagnosis finally. And it was Professor Henderson who said, okay, your neck is unstable, but this is because of Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. Wow. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and how did you feel, like, actually getting a name? Uh, it was amazing and scary at the same time. Yeah. Um, it was so relieving to know that I wasn't crazy. I mean, you know all those, uh, you have a psychological issue, it's all in your head, there is nothing wrong with you physically. And then he just <laughs> he just threw Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome mess cell activation syndrome and dysautonomia at me and I was like what are you talking about <laughs> that's a lot of words <laughs> it was yeah um yeah and then I was super relieved but at the same time I knew that um there wasn't it was no cure right wow. because before that I thought okay you have a neck instability if you work hard if you stabilize your muscles then it will get better and at some point you will be not cured but you will definitely be able to function so before this next instability, had you been really healthy or did did you have these symptoms and not have a name for it? Yeah, I did have symptoms all the time. I mean, it started um, when I was a child. I had frequent nosebleeds that wouldn't stop at all. Oh I was my hospitalized God. several times. Um, that was, I think, my first symptom, at least that I can remember. And, um, yeah, later I, I, I had to sleep a lot. I was always exhausted and fatigued, so that was very uncommon. And then I was always in pain. Yeah. And they called it growing pain, <laughs> which is typical, right? Uh, and were you in Germany during that time where you were experiencing these yes. things as a kid? And how, was, how are girls treated in Germany when they have chronic pain? Is it, as I know in the United States, like, I was treated like, you are crazy, you have mental health issues, you need to see a therapist yeah. or yeah is it the same over there or were you experience, getting the same experiences yeah we do have this problems here too yeah maybe it's I'm just sure a, a wide a, not listening to women sort of problem i i'm not sure if it's a, a problem with women or overall i think it's just it's easier to get you a mental health issue because nobody can can really prove that it's not true right yeah so you can't dis- disprove it so um I, I, yeah i was called I, I was told that i had mental health issues the first time with i think 14 because i was complaining about severe neck pain and headaches 
And that was the first time um, my neurologist just prescribed some uh, antidepressants for me. Oh, wow. And how the antidepressants work with what you now know you have? Yeah, not at all. Yeah, I was just thinking, that's going to be interesting. <laughs> well, the only thing was that I was uh, even more tired. Yeah. I, and I, then I discontinued them. Because there's some nerve drugs that they tried on me when I had neuropathy that are based on the antidepressants. And I didn't wake up for four days, like three or four days. I just slept for like... <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. I was, that was nuts. So I was wondering if like you have the full dose of antidepressants and you have what you have, how that would go. <laughs> Uh, yeah that was really bad i mean he didn't even listen and he, he he didn't consider physical therapy first i mean i was 14 so if someone complains about pain with 14 i would not prescribe medication i would send this person to physical therapy first right that seems sane maybe you should go into being a doctor <laughs> i don't know I, it was just really crazy but i didn't know it better so i just did what he said. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's that thing with like someone comes in with a white coat and the stethoscope, and it feels like, okay, I'm gonna do what you say, or it's almost like we're right. programmed for it. Yes, that's so true. <laughs> so, when you were a kid and teenager, you were sick, were you still active, or were you starting to get less active? No, I was super active. Um, I was playing volleyball, and uh, I was skiing, and inland skating, and swimming, and jogging. I did lots of sports. I was super active and volleyball basically defined my life at that time. Yeah. And when did you have to give it up or have you given it up for? <laughs> I had to. Yeah. In 2010, that was um, when the really bad symptoms started. And what were those like? Um, those were all those um, neck issues I described before. Oh, okay. That's when the neck stuff started. Oh my God, with volleyball. Oh no! It was not volleyball. It was it was actually because um, I got lidocaine and cortisone injections to my neck. Okay. And then everything started. Wow. So, what would you still be doing if you didn't have this? Hmm, that's a good question. What would your life uh, look like? <laughs> or is it <laughs> affecting your life? Are you still able to continue with things that you want to do? Um, kind of, yeah. I mean, I'm a completely different person. I would probably, so if I were still healthy, or let's say kind of healthy, <laughs> then uh, I would probably be the same naive person that I was before, you know, before I became sick. I was very, I, I planned my whole life in advance. So I had a five-year plan with marrying, building a house, um, working hard, having a career, you know, so I wanted to study. And I was a perfectionist. Mm -hmm. And I think somehow I'm I'm a perfectionist now too, but in a completely different way because I have um, I have different abilities now and a completely new knowledge, you know, and I'm I'm definitely not as naive as I was before. <laughs> okay, so I want to ask you, what does naive look like for you? Because I think I understand it, but I just want to make sure. <laughs> well, um, I always thought nothing could hurt me. I was young. <laughs> So, you know, I, I thought I, my life was perfect. I had a great job, an apartment, and I, I had no idea what being miserable would look like or what being chronically ill could look like. Yeah. You know, there was just a completely different world. And no one in your family has this? Um, no, not really. We're not so sure about that. <laughs> oh, okay. So you, <laughs> there are some similarities. But um, there was no mutation found in other family members so far. So, yeah, we have to continue testing if yes. they want to. Okay. So, yeah, we, we all won the genetic lottery. Like, <laughs> yeah. there's been a lot of people I know who have LR stainless type 3, and there's instability in joints throughout the family. Mm -hmm. But some members of this generation ended up with the dislocations and the life-changing stuff. Okay. So it makes me wonder, like, what happened in the 70s and 80s where all of us are getting so sick? <laughs> That's a very good point, yeah. What was your job back in um, when things were a little more sane? Um, so I was first, I was a doctor's assistant, and then I studied and became a lab technician. So I was working in research, 
but only for one year because then it was 2010 and everything started to get really bad. Wow. So has this helped you having been a lab assistant, having been in the other side of the yeah. medical world? Absolutely. I, I'm I mean, a little I, jealous I, right now. <laughs> It's really great because I have access to um, all the medical publications and I'm able to read them and understand them. So that has helped a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, I tried. I, I was trying to be the good, perfect patient and do the research. And oh, my God, I've never felt dumber in my life. Like looking at those <laughs> medical journals, I'm like, all right, that's why I'm not a doctor. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> what have yeah. you, what can you like retranslate for the rest of us that you've learned in these <laughs> not a whole dissertation but is there any like hints or anything that you learned in this that you aren't hearing in the basic elder stainless community or pots community no actually the elder stainless community is very active and good especially <laughs> in the united states you have a great network there and what I what I love so much is all those conferences in the United States, and then the presentations are online, so everyone can view them and read them and understand them. <laughs> well, especially since so many of us aren't able to travel. <laughs> right. It's, it's really great. And all those webinars, and there is, is tons of information in English language. Mm -hmm. There is not so much in German language. So that was a really a big problem for me in the beginning because my English was very basic. Wow, because your so English just, is amazing. <laughs> oh, well, I practiced really hard. <laughs> <laughs> well, good job. It, because I wanted to understand all those publications, you know, I, I just, I was so sick of always hearing from doctors, there was nothing wrong. Yeah. So I wanted to research by myself. And that's why I had to learn English. That is like the biggest... Um, Oh, gosh, I'm so sorry. My words are missing today. Um, but the biggest yeah, push, <laughs> inspiration, I think, is the word I'm looking for. The long way around to the word inspiration to get a language learned. Like that's, um, I can't think of a better reason. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> so do you go to these conferences or do you watch them on webinar? Uh, just online. Yeah. I was not able to, to really go there because it's really expensive. Yeah, I was surprised at how much it cost. And... I don't know. Yeah, I'm on disability. Like I couldn't afford it. Right. Me too. And it's also, I mean, it's, it's with traveling and I'm not doing really good with um, plane traveling. So, so that was my yeah, next question for you. You just went on a really long flight. How does that work yeah. for you with your, I mean, I know like <laughs> the weird thing is with pots that flight actually helps because it, when it hurts other people, it really helps pots patients. But how does that work for you with all the dislocations and uh, not so good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I usually save um, money to, uh, it's, there is something in between business and economy class. So Lufthansa offers this premium economy class. And that makes a huge difference for me because you have more leg room. Yeah. So um, you can actually stretch your legs and it's more comfortable. You can lean the seat back. And that's really good. But sleeping on a plane is just really impossible. And if I do my neck is completely out of control in the morning so it's very painful and of course I mean I'm always in pain after flying it's just this 11 hours sitting in this very uncomfortable chair um, but I have a memory form seat cushion and that really helped a lot with the lower back pain that's fantastic life hack there that's <laughs> it, it is it's a for me it's a lifesaver so I, I don't travel without my memory from seat cushion and it's actually the third because I usually need <laughs> them on the plane because how <laughs> often do you travel thing. yeah huh? how often are you traveling hmm. I think this must have been my probably the 40th yeah the 40th time wow and do you travel by yourself or do you travel with someone usually alone but sometimes my husband can come with me but um he's working so someone has to <laughs> so someone has to bring home the insurance <laughs> yeah so it's mainly me on a plane okay so here's my other question because this is what everyone in my life freaks out about whenever i say hey i'd love to go and travel or like i'd like to go to see this doctor in seattle or is i have mm -hmm. really severe pots and i can just pass out like that um how i don't know how severe your pots is but how do you handle the lines in the airport like to get like through um the tsa checkpoints and to get the passport check and Everything. Uh, I usually use the, the wheelchair service because all those airlines have the wheelchair service. And um, 
it depends on how I'm feeling. If I feel okay, I just walk. I, I always have my compression stockings with me or wear them. And that usually works. But after the flight, my pot is completely out of control. <laughs> it's yeah. like heart is racing and it's it's super uncomfortable. So usually I get the wheelchair and then they you can pass the lines. You know, they have the special disability lines. That is and that works well for me. <laughs> I was wondering if I should like invest in that um, that service where you can just uh, pre-register for for passport stuff and skip the line. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering if you did that or tried that or what you thought of it. Yeah, well, I thought about it, but then you have to go to like Frankfurt to the airport, and you have this huge interview with I don't know U.S. border control or whatever. And that was just too complicated. And with a wheelchair, it usually works well. I mean, sometimes it's a, li- a little weird because you probably know how people stare at you if you're in a wheelchair and then you get up and walk. Yeah, uh, that's definitely <laughs> one of the issues with invisible illness is um, neither one right. of us really, if you looked at either of us, like today I went to the lake to just do a quick little like movement thing and I was only going to be there for five minutes. And the looks I got parking in the handicap spot and walking out. I'm like, I'm just going to wear a big shirt that says may faint at any minute. Do not judge me. <laughs> I think that will work That's well. I said, <laughs> <laughs> I will dislocate or faint on you. If you try to yell at me, <laughs> just throw my body in the general direction. <laughs> I love that idea. <laughs> <laughs> right? I think I need to start designing shirts for invisible illness that we can just like let people wear all the time because that is, an issue if you don't look sick and have you ever experienced this because I've had so much fun with doctors and ER staff if you Mm -hmm. don't look sick have you had any issues with going to the emergency room and not being treated with any level Uh, seriousness I don't I don't go to the emergency room because in Germany nobody has any idea about EDS I mean there are some some specialists you know Mm -hmm. but they are like everywhere over Germany and not in the emergency room that is in my small town. So there is just no use to go there yeah. because there would be anything anyway. <laughs> so I just don't do it. I wasn't afraid they're going to make it like with dislocations. I'm like, unless you know how to trigger release, you are not going to help me. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm really fortunate because I don't have dislocations. So I'm only have, I uh, have subluxations and pain, but that is really okay controlled by my primary care team so okay but with pots do you have like the transfusion card so you can just go in and get transfusion no no Mm. okay no they they don't really do that here i mean at least i don't know anyone who would get any transfusions here i think i'm using the wrong word i'm so sorry i'm having like the worst attack for the last four days um not transfusion um i mean the infusions like the iv thank you yes (laughs) No, they, they don't do that here. Okay, because like, here I'm like waiting for the ability to be able to go into the ER and say, okay, so my heart rate's insane. Can you just give me the banana bag of potassium and magnesium so I can feel Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah my, my POTS is, is really okay. I mean, compared to a lot of other people, I don't faint. I mean, usually I sometimes do, but that's a rare occasion. But I'm just, I'm getting dizzy and then it gets black in front of my eyes and usually I can sit down before I black out. That is a very useful skill. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I like it. I hope it stays there. No, that, that, is, that is awesome because since, you know, the whole corsets and fainting couches went out of style, it is not as cute to just swoon. <laughs> it, it doesn't work as well. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm mainly really worried about my neck. Because if I faint and I hurt my neck even more, that would be that could be the trigger that would um, make uh, surgery absolutely necessary. And what would that surgery be like? What would they do for you? A fusion of uh, probably my whole neck. Ah, so neck fusion, like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, lots of metal and screws. <laughs> that is, um, yeah, I, they're talking about that for my little wrist because they don't relocate anymore and that scares me i can't imagine my neck like not being able to turn head or or anything oh i have i haven't really turned my head in years so that wouldn't make any difference um, because it triggers symptoms so i just i move it a little (laughs) bit but i don't really rotate it okay and are you doing so i don't think i would i would recognize it (laughs) so you won't do owl things yeah (laughs) no i don't (laughs) 
So do you find that your my um, one of my other friends is LR stainless, but her mine goes into my limbs. I almost never have neck or spinal. Are you neck and spinal? Like it mostly just affects. Definitely, I'm. I, I would say that my spine is my worst part. And how does that affect your day? Are you still able to walk, or is that just you go to bed and marathon through Netflix? <laughs> uh, I wish I could run a marathon. Right, um, the no, only marathon I, I, mean, I get I to do walk. on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I can. I can walk. It depends on the day, but I, I'm still able to walk distances, probably up to a mile, sometimes more. And then there are those bad days where you just, you know, lie on your couch and watch Netflix. <laughs> of course. What did we but all do before Netflix? <laughs> <laughs> yeah it definitely gets worse I mean um, I was able to walk a lot more than I am now so um, I guess it's at some point it's probably a wheelchair that I'm using and do you have your own wheelchair do you have canes or any um, anything like that um, not yet I have my braces for my knees and my neck and for all kinds of body parts um, but I don't have any walkers or wheelchairs yet because I wanted to try it for as long as I can without. That's a hard one to give in on. I That was the I hardest thing for me to do. I, I fought that fight long and hard. And yeah. yeah, and they're expensive. My insurance covered 80% of $12,000. That was expensive. Ouch. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that was, that was, that was, um, I, I am an expensive habit. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> So how has this affected your relationships? Um, depends on you were which diagnosed one. young. Like you were, you you started. I wasn't diagnosed until I was already married. I had two kids. How did did this change anything for you? Um, yeah, it did. I mean, uh, when all this started in 2010, I was in a relationship with um, someone, and we were both very active. So volleyball was our thing. So we Aww. played probably four times a week in the evening and also in the weekends. And then this was gone. So that definitely affected us because um, he wanted to be active still, which is totally understandable. And I was kind of jealous and super mean because I wanted to do the same and it hurt so much to give it up. Yeah. And at some point, we just couldn't really deal with it anymore. So we separated it was just too much, especially because it was in the beginning of my disease, so I had no idea what was going on in my body, and, and you know, it was just super confusing, and I was probably a very mean person, <laughs> and maybe even because all those doctor's appointments, nobody could tell me what was wrong with me, so I was frustrated and always angry, and I hated Germany, and I hated doctors, and I hated the state because they wouldn't support me. I was just a very very upset person <laughs> can you explain what you mean by like the state wouldn't wouldn't help you um yeah so the problem was uh, i wasn't able to work mm -hmm. so um i applied for it's called retirement money in germany so it's probably the same like disability in the yeah, united states like social security Right, something like that. I mean, our system is a, a little different, yeah. but it's like early retirement kind of thing. Um, it's for people that are unable to work and that are severely ill. And um, I applied for that, and it took, uh, overall, I think it was three and a half years to get, uh, which through uh, several um, court appointments and, you know, doctor's appointments where they hired a doctor to to judge my situation and my condition <laughs> I was I don't know four doctors that told me that I was just crazy and lazy and I just wanted to live from the state support oh my god it was just totally bullshit because it's not even enough money to pay rent so <laughs> no, nobody really would like to take that money if they didn't have to but you're basically treated like a criminal like someone who just wants to use the state and since we have kind of a good social system in Germany, you know, yeah. they're, they're very suspicious of you. <laughs> wow. So yes, that's, it took a long time. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've heard these stories in America, people taking five to ten years. I was so lucky. I got it my first try through. But I went in under POTS, not under Eller Stainless. I went in under a heart condition. 
And that seemed to work where Uh I've heard people who are like, I dislocate all the time. And they're like, yeah, you can still work. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, right. (laughs) But the disability that we get here, I mean, it wouldn't, it would not cover my doctor's appointments and a studio apartment, let alone my two kids and food. So how were you able to make a living? Were you married at the time or were you still working? No, I luckily um, had a private insurance. And so the private insurance together with the disability money was enough to live in Germany. It wouldn't be enough at all to live in San Francisco. But <laughs> Nothing's enough to live in San Francisco. <laughs> since, I'm, <yeah. laughs> right. since I'm married now and my husband works there, we are able to kind of <laughs> survive. <laughs> okay, so you've, you've lived in, a, in the U.S. long enough to um, know the differences of um, mm-hmm. what is the private insurance? Because I've, I just talked to someone in Australia who was telling me about private insurance. I'm not quite understanding completely. What is the what is the difference between the two? Uh, do you mean private insurance for uh, health insurance? Yeah. Or do or you do mean you have pri- is there a different kind of private insurance that I, I don't know yeah, about? Yeah, there. I mean, there are lots of insurances. You know, you can have insurance that covers any damages to your house, for example, or. Yeah. You can have insurance that covers your expenses if you go to court and if you try to sue someone. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, you don't have... I tried to find that in the United States. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think you could find that. No, you don't, because you don't have that, because <laughs> your lawyers are just so expensive. <laughs> Our lawyers have a really good lobby. <laughs> right. Yeah, so um, I had this private insurance that would cover in case I would be chronically ill. No so was way. <laughs> yes. Um, you, you can. So I basically, I signed up for that when I was 15. So I was super young and I was healthy. How so are you that, that was smart to do problem. that? Like, how, how are you that smart 15? <laughs> well, because I have a very persuade, persuading, persuading. You're good. Family. Yeah, persuading. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Although you're also <laughs> trusting me on this, which is not a good idea today. My brain is <laughs> awfully mangled. Yeah. Anyway, so my my aunt kind of t- uh, talked me into it because she said you need this in case something happens to you, and I was like, no, I don't need that. I'm young. What could ever possibly happen to me? That I can stand up later, <laughs> and I'm. I'm so super happy I did this. I mean, that was the best decision of my life, probably. <laughs> I bet you say very nice things to your aunt now. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> so how is this affecting you now with friendships? And not necessarily like you're with your husband, but maybe. But how is this affecting your social life? Um, in many ways. I mean, I, I usually, I can't really have any appointments because I usually have to cancel them. <laughs> because it's always, if, if I have a very important um, appointment, it's like I'm feeling extra sick. So yeah. <laughs> I have to be very, sponta- very spontaneous. And it, this is complicated because all my friends or most of them work. Uh-huh. And I usually feel better in the morning and really bad in the evening, but they yep. don't have time in the morning. So it's either a lunch date or sometimes a breakfast date in the weekend. But it's, it's kind of hard to be really social if you have so many limitations. Yeah. And then, there, you know, there is a good time and a bad time to take the metro, especially in San Francisco. So don't go anywhere before 11 because you have to stand in the metro, which is impossible. <sighs> Yeah, you know, and, and there there are so many things to consider, and in the end, it's just it's so much to think about. Then I just invite my friends over to my place because it's easier. Yeah. <laughs> so that that makes it really hard. I mean, there is always something to think about if you want to go somewhere. It doesn't matter where. That is so true. I get stuck in my house all the time because I don't live in San Francisco like you do. I live on the other side of the bay. And mm-hmm. I love San Francisco. I miss it so much. I haven't been in like a year or two and I'm only 40 minutes away. <laughs> but if I take, I can't drive there because I'll get dizzy. And if I do anything, yeah. I might not be able to get in my car and get back. So that's out. But taking BART, which is our public transportation system to get mm-hmm. across the bay, um, I use a wheelchair for any amount of like long-term moving around and the elevators don't always work. 
So you might end up like five stops from where you want to be just to get an elevator. And um, we won't even discuss the cleanliness issues of those elevators. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. So in speaking of public transportation, not about like the public urination issues at BART, but public transportation, (laughs) what is that like in Germany? Um, It depends. I mean, uh, the bigger cities have great metros as well. And, uh, well, um, I'm living in a very small town, so we only have buses. Okay. And there is a train, but I can't, or I can take the bus, but only occasionally because the road is very bumpy. So that oh. means a lot of Ow. pain to the neck and sometimes really bad neurological issues. So usually my mom has to drive me or my friends are, they come over and pick me up. Yeah, but that's—it's really complicated to get around here. That's actually easier in San Francisco because you have the metro that goes everywhere. It's so funny to have this disorder and be an adult because I feel like it brings us back to being like fourteen, like not even sixteen. Where yeah, you drive, like it's like we're now fourteen again, and our moms are driving us everywhere. <laughs> right, and and that's—I I hate this because I, I used to be very independent. Yeah, and now I can't even drive a car because I can't rotate my neck, which is a problem because you don't see everything and I I'm just really worried to hurt someone else I mean if I don't see the mirrors or you know then I could maybe really hurt someone and I don't want to risk that and then I'm getting dizzy and blurred vision all the time and I might end up somewhere on the road and I can't really drive so my mom just takes me everywhere (laughs) and in the United States Luckily, you have Uber and Lyft and all Yay, those Yay, Uber and Lyft. And they don't realize what they do for all of us disabled people. Yeah. <laughs> they are amazing. I mean, I probably, I, I pay so much to Uber all the time. I bet that you're not paying as much to Uber as you would be if you had a car. Like, in the insurance, gas, and like... Yeah, probably. Uh, right. So, I don't know about you, but I'm dying for self-driving cars. Like, that's... Every time Google starts talking about self-driving cars, I'm like, and when? And when? (laughs) I want a life again. And, you know, just like you, like, I'm not... I I started working when I was 13. Mm -hmm. And I always have my own money. And this has been such a weird shift. And my husband is the... Anyone who's listened to this podcast for any amount of time knows my husband's, like, the nicest, sweetest, like, most calm, lovely gentleman in the world. But this dynamic of switching who has money coming in and who doesn't is screwing with my head. Not that he is upset about it or anything. It's just, I was raised frothing at the mouth feminist. I still am. (laughs) And to suddenly be like, oh, okay, honey, I need money for this is so foreign to me. Are you dealing with anything like that? Yeah. (laughs) I (laughs) I love your nodding while I'm saying this. I'm like, yes, uh, me too. Thank you. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, um, I always defined myself over, you know, some achievements. So uh, when I studied as a lab technician, I was the best in my class because I wanted to be. So I I always tried to be the best in the things I did. And then there wasn't anything anymore. And I was just this sick person without a job. Oh my God. Yes. I didn't really, you know, I didn't really have a sense in my life anymore. And then I started to start those two websites and wrote books and stuff like that. And we are going to be plugging your books and your website on your, on this, because I want people to go see it. (laughs) That would be nice, but it's in German. So I don't really know if people (laughs) would. Well, your website, there's Google Translate. So well, there, there there is one website I translated it, but the other website is in German, and the books are in German. So. Uh, well, we'll still put it up there, and you can you can it, and my <laughs> okay. son can try to read it too. He's in love with the German language. That would be nice. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm gonna lose that kid to Frankfurt. It's just gonna be it. He's he's like, where's my passport? When do I get to go to Germany? I will not come home. <laughs> Well, he, and that's why I wanted to talk to you so much. I mean, not just because I wanted to, I wanted to talk to you, but he has <laughs> such a, um, extreme view. And I think Americans have a very different view of the socialized medical system. Like we yep. all watched the, um, the documentary about, um, socialized medicine. And I'm not sure how much of that is completely accurate. It painted as this incredible utopia of like, <laughs> you won't go bankrupt if you're sick. But then I talk to people who come here from other countries saying, 
I had to come here so I could get the medical help I needed. So I'm not sure where the truth lies in all of this. It just feels like maybe we're getting theater instead of truth. And I think it's somewhere in the middle because it it always depends on what kind of condition you have. I mean, Ehlers-Danlos syndrome is rare. Mm -hmm. And Germany is a very small country, so there are simply not so many specialists there for EDS. And then I think the mentality of the German doctors are is a little different than in the United States. Okay. So they are they don't really like if the patient tells them what to do. They don't li- sometimes they don't like if you are researching by yourself. And there is I think it, at least it feels like that it's there's a huge problem with mental health issues. I mean, not with a if someone really has a mental health issue, that's not a problem, but they tend to diagnose you with mental health issues if they can't find a physical um, reason for your pain, for example. See, I feel like that's here in the United States. I feel like that's what they're doing here. Do you have really nice doctors that I need the names of? Yeah. <laughs> well, it, 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 so the United States has many specialists, but of course they are all over the country, so it's not easy for you to get help there either, right? Yeah. But in Germany, it's, it, there are just even less specialists. So let's say there are maybe 10 specialists for EDS and all those related conditions in Germany, then you have to travel a lot, but at least you have your, your, um, your insurance that covers all those expenses. Okay. And by expenses, do you mean the doctor's visits or are you having to pay out of pocket for your travel too? Well, you have to pay for your travel, of course, but they are paying for the doctor's visit. Okay. But they are not so expensive here, so you <laughs> That's the issue right there. <laughs> they're not covering yeah. everything, but what they're you're expected to cover isn't even close to what America hospitals and doctors bill you for. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, That's why no one goes bankrupt difference. over there for this. <laughs> no, you don't. But it's still I mean, um if you're having anything that is a little more special than a normal, for example, diabetes or something, yeah. then you're screwed here too. <laughs> now, there is just no difference, but of course you don't have to pay so much. It's yeah. That's easier in Germany, definitely. I mean, that's the big debate we're having here in the U.S., as you know, is the whole like healthcare debate. Yeah. And it almost seems like we can't have that debate until we do a real accounting of whether hospitals are allowed to overcharge the way they do and doctors are allowed to charge what they do. It's like, first let's get a realistic cost and then let's debate. Like just seems like we need an accountant before we need anything else. Yeah. I I mean, I I knew what I was getting into. I mean, I I knew the United States and I knew it was very expensive, Yeah, but I was, I'm still always shocked when I see those bills. I mean, how are they called the explanation of benefits or those like, Mm -hmm. you know, where the insurance tells you what they have been charged and stuff. And I had this Eurodynamics testing and they charged them, I don't know, like 10,000 something. I was like, what? (laughs) Yeah. You're like, excuse me. I mean, even down to like $30 for an aspirin if you're in the hospital. Yeah, it's like, crazy. Mm. Okay, well, I will get off my soapbox because I, I end up feeling very comfortable in my soapbox raging about <laughs> healthcare. <laughs> um, for your mast cell activation, because that's this is the new one for me, and I'm so curious if it's this way for other people. How is it eating out for you? Like going out for oh. dinner or lunch? Are you having this, like, I almost feel like I have to give out, like, these, if you are this close, you may get wet because I will throw up, sort of. <laughs> That explains it very well. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, I was trying not to be gross, but I gave up halfway through. Uh, I, I mainly have problems with diarrhea, so it's okay. not the throwing up, but it's um, I need a restroom very close by all the time. Yeah. And it always depends. I mean, there are better days and worse days. So, for example, the last couple of months I was... Uh, I can't even remember when my gastrointestinal tract was normal. <laughs> so I, I, I wasn't really able to eat outside. So we, ju- we just um, ordered something, food delivery to our home. Well, for, uh, so I'm always asking like life hacks. And I think food delivery is like one of the best life hacks for people who are disabled and yeah, absolutely. having issues. Especially in San Francisco because they have all those like Grubhub and yep. all, you know, so many restaurants and basically every food you can have. I am, I know it's odd for someone who does a podcast, but I actually don't 
do well talking on the phone with people a lot of the times. And I love that I don't actually have to talk to someone and try to clarify my order. That like Grubhub is like the ultimate introvert sort of thing <laughs> that you're like, huh, yeah, it'll just show up magically at my door. Right. It's amazing. I mean, I love that San Francisco offers so many advantages for me, especially when it comes to my chronic illness. Yeah. And do you feel comfortable like with the medical marijuana issue? Because I'm so jealous of everyone who lives in San Francisco. I mean, I do have a delivery service here, but the delivery service you guys have, oh my God. (laughs) I I don't really use delivery. I had no idea that I could get it delivered actually. So (laughs) I will send you some stuff, (laughs) not send you pot, but I'll send you the, um, the different apps that you can do, which will show you like where the delivery services are, but you guys have some of the best like green cross in San Francisco was like featured on Sunset Magazine. Like, <laughs> like wow, okay, yeah, medical marijuana is I, coming I, to its own. I, I, I like to go to the dispensary anyway because I like the location and like the people there. Yeah. And especially I just started my medical marijuana protocol, so I didn't know, you know, what strains and what concentration and edibles and liquids and whatever there is so I needed really someone to to recommend something and has it helped you with the because I use it so much like I use it for the the pain but I also and sleep but I really cannot get by without it for the mast cell like the nausea the like I am throwing yeah. all day this is like <laughs> thank you what do you use for that because I can't even use the, I can't even smoke with the vape pen when I'm nauseous because it, it triggers like vomiting again so I have to use either <laughs> like the, yeah that's so helpful and then you know because I dislocate I dislocate my rib when I start throwing up so I am just a ball of fun just <laughs> so great <laughs> so i use like the tincture and the edibles what do you what do you like to use what works for you and for what I have, symptoms uh, um i have this i think it's this liquid dropper so it's uh, drops under yeah. your tongue love that <laughs> uh, that's really great i love that and i started with uh, gummy bears <laughs> now were you told to not eat the entire gummy bear Yes, I was. Because <laughs> that's something that if you don't get told, that is a long 10 hours. Yeah, that sounds kind of like fun. <laughs> <laughs> okay, for control freaks who hate not being in complete control of everything, who have never been high in their life, totally. <laughs> it's it so funny that it, it, you kind of described me now, because the first thing I said <laughs> to, them, to them was like, I really don't want to get any high. I want to be in control of my brain at all times. The only thing I want to have is pain relief, nothing else. And they were like, yeah, well, it probably comes with a slight high because you need the THC for the pain relief. And I said, okay, well, I can probably deal with that. (laughs) It's not, I mean, I just don't want to be completely stoned. Yeah, I'd never been completely stoned before that at least I can remember I'm sure someone will like put in the comments that they knew me in high school and there's something I'm forgetting but (laughs) the first time I can recall being stoned I had done that little whole thing and um, I was watching Doctor Who of all the freaking shows to watch (laughs) and that um, that was an experience I never want to repeat (laughs) yeah yeah the funny part about medical marijuana is that I I felt completely guilty when I tried it the first time because it's uh, it wasn't allowed in Germany. It wasn't legal. Yeah. Or it was only legal in very, very special case, cases, and that was super rare. So nobody was really getting any marijuana here. And then I had this, this opportunity to try it because um, all my other um, medication didn't work anymore. I tried the non-steroidal anti, uh, anti-inflammatory. That's some like serious side effects. Right. That was the problem because I had more stomach issues and I had a lot of stomach cramping and pain. Yeah. And I just felt really bad. I took them for about three years and it was just too much. Your liver and kidneys must have been like, help me. Well, I I tried to avoid them as far as I could, you know, so just when I was in really bad pain, pain, I took them. But that was, I was kind of forcing myself to, to, to go through the day in pain. And that was just not really helping my life quality, right? Yeah. And it's more fatigued and exhausted. And then I had this opportunity to try medical marijuana. And I was like, 
I don't know if I want to do this because everyone here tested it. That's illegal. You're a drug addict. And so I was super scared. And then when I went into this this super stylish dispensary, ah! like, wow. Did you ask, which one did you go to? Uh, the Apothecarium at Market Street. I love that Street. place. Oh, my God. It's, it's so, so beautiful. It's I used to live in San Mateo, so that's where I would go to get mine. And, oh, my God, that's gorgeous. I, I love that place. And then it, it didn't took long until I, I, um, I really valued the usage of, of marijuana because it helped me and improved my life quality, it improved my sleep. Yeah. Oh God, yes. And do you get do you get help from it for the nausea? Yes. Yeah, that's I mean, so... not all the time, but most of the time. And are is it the same in, now in Germany? Are you not allowed to to use in Germany? Um, there is a new law, so you basically you are allowed to use it legally um, if your doctor prescribes it. Okay, and is it like your doctor prescribes it, or is it like here where you find a doctor? <laughs> That is the problem because the doctors are still very judgy about it, so they don't prescribe it. So you have access, but you don't. Okay, and how is so? Like, I have to use opioids every day to be able to function at all, like to get out of bed and walk on because I have to still move even with my dislocation since I have them all day. Mm-hmm. So, how is it there for pain relief? What do what gets used for pain relief there? And is there the same level of judgment on pain relief that is on marijuana? Like, it's happening now in the United States. We're like, you are a drug addict. I'm like, no, I am a mom who needs to function and make sure mm-hmm. everything gets done. And I cannot do that from bed curled up in fetal position. So is it the same over there? Are you having the same issues? Um, yeah, I think we do. But I never tried opioids. That's a funny part because... They didn't want to help me with the marijuana, but they wanted to prescribe me opioids. So oh, I was like, funny about that. Uh, yeah, I don't really get that. Well, it's a drug <laughs> companies just, make the money on the opiates. They don't make any money when people use medical marijuana. Right. But I, I didn't want to go. I didn't want to go there. It was just I, I said, OK, then I have to endure the pain and just try to take some ibuprofen still, even though I feel like shit after yeah. But I I just don't want to start on opioids yet. It's just, I mean, if, when I'm back in San Francisco, I can start with a medical marijuana, and that's fine. And I'm only here for a couple of weeks, so I will somehow get through it. <laughs> I, I understand. But are you able to, like, still function without any pain, like the mar- marijuana? Are you stuck in bed most of the time while you're here in Germany? Or no. It, it's okay. I mean, I um, <laughs> use a lot of, like, heating pads. Oh, uh, like all, all, all yeah, and I'm I'm taking a bath, and I use a lot of water, obviously, <laughs> um, and, and I just try to find some other pain relief. It's okay. I mean, there are several other things like aspirin. I can usually I don't tolerate it well, but if I have to, I just take it. Okay. It doesn't work well with my mast cells. They don't like it. Yeah. They don't really have a choice. And I I don't know why, but I know that's kind of stupid, but I still refuse to um, start on opioids. I just think it's not the right time yet. It's such a personal choice. I, I've been on them for, because I presented with dislocations, massive dislocations. Mm-hmm. So I've had many surgeries. I've been on these since I was 16 so my body is so used to it I don't I I honestly don't understand how anyone takes it for fun I'm like do you know the side effects of these things it doesn't make you happy it doesn't like give you euphoria this just like takes the pain down a notch or two like why anyway whole nother topic on that one but um so what would help you in just getting around, moving around, living your life? What could society or laws or mobility things change for you? Like for me, if like cities decided that sidewalks needed to not have that big lip when they're like going down so that I don't have to go X games every time I need to cross the street, that would be fantastic. Is there anything for you that would really help out? Hmm. That is a good question. I mean, aside from cleaner BART stations and cleaner BART, you know, elevators or (laughs) self-driving cars. (laughs) Self-driving cars would be definitely a big plus. And probably if Uber were, it could be a little cheaper still because I I pay so much money for Uber transportation to my doctor's appointments. 
And of course, it would help if there weren't so many hills in San Francisco, but that's a really good <laughs> choice. <laughs> I don't think we can it's change a, that one, but I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's really bad, yeah. Well, what really would help is um, a change in attitude of some people, I guess. And to what? I, mean, I, I like, struggle more with um, the challenges with other people's attitude than with my physical problems, I guess. And what does that look like? Like, what, what attitude do they have that is creating a problem? Well, I wish everyone would be a little more tolerant. I mean, to all kinds of people and even San Francisco, I mean, San Francisco is, is so diverse and super tolerant compared to many cities in Germany, but it's still sometimes a little chachi when it comes to chronic illnesses and, and invisible illnesses. Yeah. yeah, especially, I mean, everyone there or most of the people there work in tech or in research and they have lots of money and it's like, and what are you doing? Hmm, yeah, I have a blog and a podcast and blah, 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 but that's not really work, you know, for mm. them it's not really something you do. <laughs> that, and that goes back to what you were saying and what I <laughs> I feel <laughs> very extremely is like um, in this this area, people are such high achievers. And mm. it's, um, it's almost like you lose your sense of identity once you're not in that world anymore. Like I had run a business where I was a photographer and I was working at a really high level in the Silicon Valley. And mm. when I stopped doing that because I got so sick, that was a huge identity crisis because you're it's, not getting the societal like, hey, you know, good job. You can get Oh, you're so inspiring. Right. It's almost like, you know, you're doing so well for a disabled person. And it's like, <laughs> I'm still trying to kick ass here. I just have to do it from a wheelchair to my canes. Like, it's so hard to switch that up. And you're right. There is, a, there is especially in this area, there's such a judgment of anyone who's not like, quote unquote, killing it, which is what you hear all the time out here. Yeah. And so huge expectations. Oh my God. Right. Like, <laughs> and then like, God help you if you're a mom, because then you are supposed to be killing it. And you're also supposed to be cooking organic meals and being <laughs> the all encompassing right. mother. Like, so I don't know if you have kids or not, but that's, that's a fun one. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. And um, so we are coming to the end and I get to ask you my favorite question, which my co-host okay. laughs at me for, but what's your favorite swear word? My favorite what? Swear word. Like huh. swearing. And it could be in Probably. German. My, my Extra points from my son if you do this in German. He will love that. <laughs> huh. Well, actually, I use most of the time holy shit or holy fuck. Oh, that's, yeah. Is that around, like, pain? Because I think we almost have different, like, swear words for, like, when it hurts versus, like, when we're mad at someone. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> But, uh, I mean, I don't really know many swear words in in English. Oh, go for go for German. Hmm, what do I say? <laughs> Alter Schwede. But that's not really swearing. That's more like, I don't know, something like, wow, if you're <laughs> just surprised about something. <laughs> and maybe you would say for fictive scheiße. I, I know what the Scheiser means. What, what's, yeah. what does the whole thing translate to? <laughs> um, hmm. <laughs> Fucking shit, probably. Oh, wow, we get to combine my favorite ones all together. <laughs> <laughs> so the last question is, is there anything you want to say? Is there anything that I didn't cover? I don't think so. We talked about a lot. <laughs> we really did. I love this interview so much. I you, you you hit on some subjects I've been just dying for someone to bring up. So thank you. <laughs> thank you for inviting me. <laughs> I'm so glad we get to meet. We had to cancel this so many times because I couldn't get out of bed or move. So I'm so glad uh, we could I do this. I totally understand that. So Only totally. another spoony zebra would possibly get how many times you have to cancel before something happens. Yeah, I have to a lot, and I hate it. Well, when you come back to the United States, you and I will cancel many more coffee dates. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll find the time to actually meet. <laughs> oh, gosh, I hope so. If not, we'll have, we'll have Skype coffee date. You're right. <laughs> well, take care, and thank you so much for this. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Bye. 
thank you so much for listening to Invisible Not Broken. I hope you enjoyed that interview. I really enjoyed making it. Um, Next week, we're going to be talking to a woman who deals with type 1 diabetes and colitis, and she is all the way over in Australia. She's an amazing children's book author. She is just a wonderful person, and I think you're really going to enjoy hearing about how things are different in Australia and also how she gets by and some of the ways that she handles things. If you have not, please subscribe to our podcast, say nice things to us on iTunes, and please share us with a friend, anyone that is dealing with illnesses, invisible illnesses or otherwise, or other people handling life as a caregiver. Until next week, be kind, be gentle, and be a badass.